This is Glenn Crooks on frame for Pro Soccer USA. On Monday, March the 9th, before the coronavirus pandemic placed an impact on gatherings in the city, I went to the premiere of NYCFC Shorts at the Nighthawk Theater in Prospect Park, Brooklyn. The Shorts, a series of mini-documentaries created and directed by Jose Medrano, who since 2015 has been the director of video for the New York City Football Club. And as Jose will tell you in a moment, this is just the beginning of a New York City chronicle, from the first team to the supporters and the community. Two of the protagonists will also join me on this episode, The Pigeon. You're going to hear his story, including the one where he went to the wrong San Jose, and also Chelsea Quito, an extraordinary young leader with NYCFC. First up, the director of NYCFC Shorts. Jose, congratulations on NYCFC Shorts. We're, we're in Brooklyn at the Nighthawk. So pretty cool to like come into a theater atmosphere. You've got a lot of supporters here, a lot of people from the club to support you as well. And uh, so congrats. What, what's, uh, what was this all about? The people listening didn't see it. What did we see? Yeah, um, thanks. Um, people listening will get a chance to see it when it drops on YouTube. But today was the uh, we premiered it for a select group of fans that came here. Um, it's a new series that we're working on. It'll be going on through the year. Um, just profiling all the different aspects of the club, you know, from our fans, first team players, academy players, community, um, just all those stories that this club brings together. Um, so this today was the first five episodes. Um, everyone really liked them, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. Well, you've been shooting behind the scenes, so anybody that follows the club and anybody that follows MLS, you know, they tend to go on all the other sites and see what the teams are doing. But so you've been doing this behind the scenes. It has a similar cinema. What's the word? Cinematography. Yeah, cinematography uh, look to it. You know, you you definitely have a style. Yeah, this is probably taking that you know to the next step or two. actually telling stories more documentary like you're like you're watching a, a little mini documentary you know uh, I think if you people when they see one we have is uh, Chelsea from the community a young leader who's 19 from the South Bronx and, and just kind of we see her in action on a normal afternoon coaching the kids but then the next week she's training her next generation which is just two years younger than her um, so you kind of see that full story there and then one other episode is the fans and their perspective in Costa Rica um, which was really fun so we're trying to cover all of those parts of the club that you don't usually see yeah Chelsea will be uh, a guest a little bit later on in the podcast as will the pigeon so you talk about the supporters you talked about Chelsea the supporters part in Costa Rica was really I think fun to watch it was a the pigeon was there and we we his story is unique, and that's coming up, but he went to the wrong San Jose, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but he was there along with, uh, it was in the 80s, uh, the number of people that were there, yeah. but you really captured that. And I, I thought the way you filmed it was interesting. It's like when the goals were scored, it was a 5-3 match. You didn't show the players celebrating. You didn't see the, the goals. It was just the supporters. Yeah, it's pure supporter perspective. You know, this, to me, I said it in the Q&A, but... I, you know, I'm usually right on right on the sideline filming, which is a great seat in the house. But in the stands is where the fun happens. In the stands is where football really lives. You know, um, and to me, that was the m- most fun to shoot. Just being there with them, marching with them. There's nothing better than being a supporter uh, on game day. So that one was really fun. Um, and yeah, uh, it was it was it was kind of a it was a little bit 
from a rights perspective, <laughs> make sure, you know, it's difficult to show the highlights quickly, um, but I just wanted it to be a fan perspective thing. So uh, your background, football, soccer, this has always been a passion of yours? Yeah, so I'm actually, my background is from, my family's from El Salvador. Um, soccer is everything over there, but I was born and raised in Jersey City. Uh, big Hispanic and, and black community where soccer was everything. It was like, I didn't realize people didn't really like soccer in the U.S. until I got to high school. Like I thought like if it was cool, it was the cool thing to do to play soccer. Everyone played it. I didn't really know what the NFL was until I got to college, really. Like, then they started teaching it to me. So um, it's just everything. And, and to me, now, I think about I want the next generation to see soccer the way I saw it and the gener current generation to see it, you know, how I experienced it through media in Latin America and Europe. I used to watch a lot of Copa Libertadores, like Latin football. Um, I want MLS to be that for the gen next generation of kids in America. And if not for the Tigris goalkeeper, mm. in the waning moments, <laughs> heading home a goal, coming up from his position to head home a corner kick, there'd be an El Salvadorian club team at Red Bull Arena yeah. on Wednesday. And I, then back, and then you would have been able to return home. I think I would have filmed the next documentary episode <laughs> would have been on myself and my return <laughs> to my family roots. <laughs> yeah, I, I yelled at the TV. Like, I definitely screamed when uh, that last goal went in because I thought... I was going to be able to see the family really quick. <laughs> Stoppage time goal, right? Yeah, like oh. ninety-three twenty or something. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, Jose, you're, you're around the team a lot, obviously. You're really a part of every segment of not just the club, but but the the first team and and the players. So you really get to you're filming them often. I mean, how how is that for them? I mean, it seems like they're goofing around with you a lot. You know, you see the shots, but. The, do you is that is that a um, is that something that's sensitive? Something that you have to be uh, careful with? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's for all of us. You know, if somebody was filming me, I would I would feel awkward. And so because I know that I I put them at ease that they they can mess up or make a mistake around me, for example, quote unquote, and know that I'm that's not going anywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we're teammates. We're brothers. You know, like I've always been a part of a team, grow, like my whole life playing soccer so this just feels like you know another team that I'm a part of and these guys really really are like my it almost like friends you know I spend the most time with them so yeah. um yeah it's taking care of each other we all take care of each other and, and the goal is for the fans like when they go out there it's for the fans my goal is to bring the fans closer to them let them know let the fans see how great great people they are because they really are yeah you don't often see their personalities I mean you see their personalities perhaps on the field and mm -hmm. Uh, but then off the field, sometimes it's a little different. Like you, you talked about Maxime Cheneau, who was, I, I don't want to say was featured, but we probably saw him and heard him more than any other player in these uh, shorts. And uh, he was, you know, I, I don't know if the fans understand that he's a, a bit of a goofball. Yeah, he's he's maybe the funniest guy on the team. Uh, he's just always trying to make somebody laugh. Um, and... and Exactly. That's something that's surprising. It will be surprising to everyone. And and in the, in these these first few, I tried to stick close to him to to kind of get that across. And there's a lot of guys like that with with more personality than they show on the field, which hopefully I'll show more of. Um, and, and everyone will be able to see what I see. Yeah. 
And then there's some like Anton Titterholm. He'll be fun to follow around someday because you do see his personality. But I would imagine that'll be a fun one, too. And Eber. I mean, Eber's got this. Uh, and you mentioned that you're going to do something uh, specifically on Eber and his story. I mean, I don't know if I've ever been around a more delightful guy in athletics, in professional athletics, as a member of the media than Eber. Yeah, he's just a great human. Um, and, and also, from my perspective, I first treat everyone as people, you know, try to be a good person. And, and, and that's how we all are. And Eber is one of just the greatest people, persons that I've met. And um, hopefully we can tell that story. I still, yeah, exactly. How does a person like that become a person like that? That's, you know, that's what I want to yeah. see. A person who's played in Croatia and like all these places, um, he ends up here, right? That's the story of New York. We all end up here. How do we get here? And that's what hopefully we'll show. Players from 13 different countries uh, make up this team, yet they're close. Ronnie Dyla made a point that he was, uh, he, uh, not that he was surprised, but he said this is unusual that you have this many different nationalities trying to uh, to meld uh, this product of soccer and how together they are. It is unusual, but it's totally normal for New York, right? That's what New York City yeah. is, if, if anything. So I think it's beautiful that it is like that on the first team as well. All right, so how is how is this uh, how are these shorts going to be uh, manifested in the community? How are people going to be able to attain it and and what's the future of this? What what are you doing? Um we're going to release them on YouTube shortly, um the next week or two, ho hopefully next few weeks. Um and then people should make sure they subscribe. We'll be hoping to get bi-weekly releases of these and just have them going throughout the year, um telling the different stories kind of in the same manner that we did with these first 5 as the year develops. Jose is also the producer of Behind the Scenes, something that you can see on that YouTube channel after every New York City FC match. All right, we're uh, we're, we're here with the pigeon at NYCFC Shorts, uh, but he's, he's a person, yeah. he has a name. So introduce, I think there may be few people who actually know your name. Yeah. So who are you? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually having a, like a, problem i, I want to say my name and, and and be bigger than uh i don't know i the pigeon i've always wanted to be bigger than me and i always wanted to represent any supporter and 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 for the first two seasons i didn't um take the mask off and and i also didn't want to like let people know but my name is omari and um born and raised in brooklyn and a little bit in staten island and yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've been wanting the pigeon to be its own thing. I, I, for a long time, I thought I was going to be the Bruce Wayne to its Batman. Uh, <laughs> now I can't do that anymore. Well, tonight's the first night I've seen you with the hood off. So uh, that's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, you're you're featured prominently in the uh, NYCFC short, and your first appearance. So we have to talk about this story because I'm so happy that you're open to discussing it and talking yeah. about it, and and just kind of revealing what happened, but. Here's the scene. It's uh, uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. You arrive, and the the cameras are on you. People are cheering, and then you tell the story of what you were in San Jose, California. What happened? Yeah. So I, I basically, um, me and my girlfriend, we always take a trip in February. We were, we didn't have a destination in mind. Costa Rica comes up. I'm like, okay, it's exotic enough that I can convince her to come to me, to come with me to see the team play. Um, I just got to make sure it's in the right price range, right? And so yeah, yeah. I was I was nervous, and I found this really cheap flight, and I was like, okay, it's, it's made, to, it's it's gonna happen. It's only one night, babe. We're gonna go see them play one night, and then we'll do all the fun stuff, the rainforest, the beach, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were excited, got all the way to the boarding gate, 
you know, I got my hot weather clothes on and everything, and I noticed that it says San Jose CA, and, and basically it's California. And, uh, you know, I turned to her literally as they're like, we're now going to board our preferred members. And I turned to her and said, we're going to California. <laughs> and she, like, collapses. And I, you know, I'm quickly trying to think what's in California, what's in California. And I've been to San Jose. That's no, a nice place. It's, but it, <laughs> it's Silicon Valley. It's Silicon Valley. But yeah. a, lot, a lot of vineyards. Yeah, you know, vineyards. We could have yeah. done the vineyard yeah, thing. Yeah, could have done the vineyard. So uh, we took the plane over. And so you took the trip. Yeah, we so took you the went trip. there. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, in my mind, we weren't going to be able to, to be honest, like things. So were there tight. was no way you were considering uh, going to Costa Rica at this point. No, no, no. We couldn't. I couldn't figure out a way to change the flight or like it was just not yeah. within our budget. And yeah, so, yeah, sure. So we went to Cali. I, I made a, I like made a plan on on the plane to like just do an awesome road trip, and we were going to do that. And we were driving down Route One, and the next thing I know. Uh, Brad Sims had texted me like at a rest stop. I looked at my phone. It was Brad Sims, and Brad Sims was uh, he was basically saying, "Hey, uh, I don't know if you know me. I'm Brad Sims," <laughs> which I still think is a really funny. Oh, we movie. should tell it, president and CEO of New York City FC, just yeah. in case someone listening doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, he basically said, uh, "The pigeon needs to be at the Champions League game." Um, I saw your story on Twitter, and 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 that's funny too because I got off. And just to make myself laugh, uh, I did this like kind of funny video with the pigeon being at the boarding gate, upset that he's in the wrong place. This did is, you? I, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. So you, this is how people found out. That yeah. So I did a little okay. video about right. it. it. Annoyed the hell out of my girlfriend. She's like, "Oh, really? You're gonna spend time on your phone doing the social media <laughs> thing, right?" Um, Especially after you went to the wrong city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all my fault. Yeah. Um, and it went viral. Um, and Brad saw it and and I took it as a moment to to extend um, a flight there and, and it would have been a flight back if I was coming back with the team, which would have been great, but you know, we stayed longer and yeah. he flew me out. It, it was a red eye, it was a long trip. So I they got, offered to bring you back on the charter. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, yeah, well, that no, would have been fun too. That would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been absolutely amazing. And well, it's, it's, it's really, it turns out to be a wonderful story and that the club would would support your mission yeah. like that and, and just step in and uh, make that happen. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So. You, you've been here from the start, uh, yeah. As, as a uh, as a ticket holder and um, you know into it. I mean, were you one of the New Yorkers that was just thrilled when you heard that there was going to be a team here? Yeah, yeah. So I was following the Premier League. Uh, won a trip to Man City in 2013. On that trip, I learned about NYCFC. Um, and and even at that moment, I didn't think it was going to be. How'd real. you win a trip to Man City? It just I, they had like a Premier League in the morning, America. You know, wow, very good. And um, yeah, on that trip, I, I you know we got to sit in the chairman's box, and they were like, you know, we're bringing a team to New York, <laughs> and that seemed like a joke at the time. Wow, it seemed like sort of like a ridiculous. Yeah, like, well, uh, teasing the American type right. thing, you know. Um, and then we got back, and so obviously I'm going to be instant fan, and. Right. Um, and then on top of that, they found out, oh, you work in a school, you run this weekend program. Um, would you be interested in... What um, kind of program? You said in Brooklyn? Yeah, so I, I worked at a school in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Uh, that's the neighborhood I'm from. Um, and I ran their after-school program, their weekend program, and their summer camp. Um, and I was interested in bringing soccer there specifically because, uh, one, it's a co-ed sport. Two, it's affordable. And three, uh, basically I felt that... Um, if in Brazil, like kids can play with no shoes and basically no ball and then become a world club, there's, there's no reason why kids from the Bronx and Harlem and, and Brooklyn couldn't do it. So um, 
Yeah, so I was interested in bringing soccer, and they heard about that. And they were like, well, you know, that's going to be a big part of our mission here in yeah, New York City. Yeah. And so it was love at first Have sight. you gotten involved with that part of it, the uh, the mentoring and the... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so. Uh, basically from the very beginning, um, we started uh, our program. They gave us balls and goals. Um, then we went on to uh, model, show our model to other schools of, like, this is what, how we got started. Um, we then threw a block party out in the Bronx. Uh, we do that block party every year. It's a soccer tournament. It keeps growing every year. Uh, there's the Schools Cup on Randall's Island. Um, I came as the pigeon there, and we've been really growing that out to be this end-of-the-year tournament for all the after-school programs. It's like 14 or so. Um, and then, yeah, I come back and mentor young leaders. They have the Young Leader Program, and I mentor them on how you become a community leader. You grow at soccer, but you don't just leave it at soccer. You show them that soccer is just a tool to like create social change. All right, the pigeon. So I write stories, and, and then I'll, I'll do podcasts, and I'll even, uh, during the uh, broadcast of the game, oh, you're a I'll sometimes man. say, I, I will sometimes say, the pigeons, and I often get oh, haters. I often you. get haters. Oh, man. No, there's, yeah, I, I'll, I've had uh, some supporters write to me, say, I'm not reading your articles anymore, if you're going to oh. say, but you are the pigeon. So no, don't blame me. I'm not blaming you. I, I like the nickname. It's it's a New York City symbol, right? It's but a is pigeon. It, I agree, but I think it's 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 kind of awkward to say, like the pigeons, and it's kind of awkward well, to Well, but New York City FC, they don't have a nickname. That's true. That's they true. don't really want to be called just city. No. The citizens, no one seems to like that. No, I don't like that either. You know, so if you're doing a broadcast or you're writing, the pigeons just flows. All right, I'm with that. I'm with you know, that. but you're the pigeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm not blaming you, but how yeah. did that happen? <laughs> so, um... It happened with, like, when starting these programs, we were like, how do we make this fun? And, and the way we did it was we're going to play with the kids, right? Usually adults are like, go play basketball. I'm going to stay on the side. Yeah, yeah. And so we, uh, me and uh, Kwame, who now works for the club, Kwame would go out there. He's a, a natural athlete, and he would play with them. And I'm not so good at soccer, but I'm a, I'm a funny guy. And so I was like, I'm going to put this pigeon mask on. And so you got the mask on I got while the mask Kwame's on. playing. Yeah, no, but I got the mask on playing. So <laughs> okay. we're both playing, and they okay. know, like, throw it to the pigeon because it's just funny to see a pigeon play. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, we were the pigeons. And so yeah. that's how it started. Um, and then we were bringing that all over the city, and then we brought it to the, the games. Uh, what did you think when the team put a little pigeon on the jersey last year? Oh, did, that was, was that like a, that a, was, was that a, a warm moment for you? The, the warm, I'll tell you what the, that was, that was it. But what was a little bit bigger than that to me was when the pigeon was above the goal, right? At Yankee stadium, they have this pigeon that sits on a pole right above the goal. And that, that's what, what blew my mind. And then there was a scarf and, and you know, the, yeah, the jersey was a whole other piece. And I always thought that it was just my thing or the people that sit, sit in the bleachers. But every once in a while I'll just see kids come up to me or, or even uh, fans from the other team came up. Uh, in um, 2016, we got chosen as the Major League Soccer's community MVP. And I went as the pigeon to San Jose, actually. No uh, way. Yeah, yeah. It was in San Jose. <laughs> you didn't go to Costa Rica, did you? No, no, no. That would have been amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we went to San Jose. And so we got to meet a lot of people from the league. And I was dressed as a pigeon. And by that time, we were only one year old. And they're like, so the pigeon, that's a thing. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> so I think that kind of grew it. And you, saying the pigeons, I think. <laughs> I'm about the pigeons, man. I'm, I'm about I, the I'm pigeons. glad, I'm glad. Well, Amari, congratulations on um, really what your role is with the club. Yeah. And, you know how you've helped in the community and and the youth and 
and uh, and supporting the team through uh, thick and thin, I suppose. Yeah, I'll be there forever. I mean, I think I wouldn't be a real pigeon if I'm not there even when, when things are rough or even when things are dirty or rainy or whatever. i got to be there through thick and through. And, and also, you know, Glenn, you've been there since day one as well. I, I, uh, it's I, true. You were one of the first... Uh, like capturing everything. And I, I used to read everything you wrote in the beginning. So thanks for sticking around. I appreciate it. Another 10 years, huh? All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we heard from the Pigeon, part of NYCFC Shorts. Uh, one of the other protagonists in the series, we saw the first uh, five episodes, is Chelsea Quito, a 20-year-old who's involved as a community coach with NYCFC uh, for City in the Community and is also a community relations intern. Chelsea? Uh, congratulations on your performance. What was it like seeing yourself up on the big screen? Thank you. Um, it was actually pretty awesome to see everything come together, especially the kids. The kids loved being on the camera and kind of just being part of the whole the episode and the film. So I think just seeing myself up there, it's a little bit kind of cringy because you don't like to see yourself um, like speak or on a big screen, but it's it's definitely something to be proud of. And I know your mom was in the audience. I think uh, she surprised you by being there. Uh, what did she think? Must have been proud. Yeah. yeah. My mom is such an amazing woman that um, everything that I do is for my parents. So I just want to make them proud. And seeing her in the crowd and just supporting me literally meant the world to me, especially because she's super hardworking. And I didn't think she'll be able to make it just because of her working schedule. But um, she's definitely very proud and she's very, very um, vocal about her being proud. Like she'll literally get on the phone on my, with my grandma and just start telling the entire world about what I'm doing, which is a little bit bittersweet because I don't always want the entire neighborhood in Ecuador to know um, every part of my business. But she definitely highlights um, a lot of the good things that. I'm doing with the help of CITC. So you're an Ecuadorian family. That would suggest you have some soccer in your blood. Yes, we are very big on soccer. And give us a, a description of how you uh, got involved with this. What part of the city uh, do you live in? And, and how did you uh, become acquainted with uh, New York City FC, city and the community? How did you get involved? So I grew up, born and raised in the South Bronx. And the South Bronx actually has a nonprofit soccer team called South Bronx United that basically helps out immigrant children. And it's just a very um, affordable soccer travel team. And I remember I was walking home with my mom from school. I was 12 years old and I had asked her like, hey, can I please be part of this soccer team? Like I've never played um, on a team before that and I was just like can I please join this recreational team so she was like yeah definitely it was really $80 for a whole entire year like it's incredibly affordable um, so that's one of the main reasons why um, I actually went to this team because I wanted to go before but it was just every other club was just way too expensive and my parents couldn't afford it so through there South Bronx United actually has um, an affiliation with sitting in the community they know a lot of the uh, workers there and they had like a training for community coaches back in 2017 so from when I was 12 to 17 I was playing but then I also volunteered as a coach um, and long story short I just attended the training and then kind of paved my way into 
CITC and volunteering and then now coaching for them. Well, $80 per year. I mean, uh, South Bronx United needs to especially be applauded for that. So what kind of curriculum were you involved in for that little amount of money? So we actually got so much for that. Um, Well, that was back when I was 12, but we, it was for the uniform um, every single Saturday for the entire year. I believe, I think it was for actually for the fall. So, um, so for the fall you would pay and for the spring and, um, yeah, you would get your uniform and you would get to play on the recreational team. And I almost, I could be wrong, but I almost believe it was the exact same thing. Once you got on the travel team, you would pay $80 and, um, it'll come with your uniform and your practices for, for Tuesday and Thursday. So when uh, you were involved uh, in your teens, you're now 20 years old, and and you're a coach. Did you see that uh, coming along? Did you see that in your future? And how were you trained for that? So I honestly never saw myself as being a coach. I just saw it as uh, me helping children fall in love with the game of soccer the way I did. Um, Because while I, I am Ecuadorian, but... We didn't like I didn't really grow up with my parents telling me like, oh, like, let's watch the soccer game. Let's um, go to a soccer game. Like, let's play together. It was more for my brother. My brother was the one that was more into the sports. He played basketball, soccer, wrestling, karate. Um, and I didn't really get that. So I kind of wanted to give that kind of experience to the youth. And it kind of just um, fell through when I had the opportunity to volunteer. So I volunteered and I was like, oh, I love working with children um, and I love soccer. So combining both of them just made it really easy and it kind of just turned into coaching. Um, But I was blessed enough to have amazing coaches and mentors through South Bronx United because South Bronx United not only focuses on the elements and the technical aspect of soccer, but they are really, really big on education. So they really helped me become a student athlete. They have um, tutoring Monday through Friday in a school where you can go. And if you don't attend tutoring, then you're not allowed to play your game. So they're very strict um, with their policies, but it really makes you a better person. It makes you um, better at time management. Um, it just overall just develops you as a person in a very positive way. Uh, Chelsea Quito, our guest, and she was uh, uh, featured on the NYC FC Shorts, directed by Jose Medrano, and uh, working with uh, the youth uh, in the uh, in the five boroughs. And uh, there were, you know, several uh, scenes where you were in small areas, a little bubble, wherever it might have been, and you always seemed to have a, a message for the youngsters who you were instructing. What, what is there a common theme among the messages that you have for these kids? Yeah, I think it's just whatever you do, put your heart into it. Um, Have really good intentions on what you're doing. Uh, And I think it's really important that when you are doing whatever it is you're doing, whether you're coaching, whether you're mentoring, or whether you're just playing the sport, I think that it's really important to take a look at the people that are around you that kind of helped you get there because those are people that you should – admire and essentially be grateful for because they are the ones that are develop you, developing you to become a better person. And that way you can help others to become a better person and a better version of themselves. 
And you're dealing with uh, young people who uh, are in different situations. Some uh, may be worse off than others. Uh, when you look at each individual, do you find yourself having to cater to each one a little bit differently? Oh, absolutely. I feel that um, even the way I talk to them and I communicate, it has to be, while I may address it a certain way to an entire group, I might um, pull one of my kids aside and be like, hey, like, and I'll repeat it so that they don't take it offensively or they are, they might need a little bit more reassurance or they might have questions. But I think that when you're working with kids in underserved communities, what they lack is love and attention and just reassurance that um, like that they're 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 good enough. So when we do go into these communities, I just want to make sure that I give them what they are lacking. So that love, that attention, and that reassurance um, definitely caters to each child because some might need it more th than others. And like you said, some are just going through a hard time in their life at such a young age that um, they're not mentally prepared for it. And I, I'm grateful that through uh, CITC, we can kind of co combat that with soccer, but we can also um, teach them on how to be a better person and that everything essentially will be okay. And uh, NYCFC Shorts, it premiered on March the 9th at the Nighthawk in Brooklyn in Prospect Park. We're recording this interview on Tuesday, March the 17th. A lot of things have happened since then, uh, many more restrictions. How are you dealing with that? Like when you picked up the phone today, you said, I'm working from home. Obviously, many of us are. Uh, so the, the children that you operate with on a regular basis, how are you uh, still interacting with them? How, how are you getting through this? So unfortunately, we are not going to be able to be coaching in schools. So that interaction with kids is temporarily um, cut off only because we do go in to schools. Uh, we do in-school coaching and after school. And because the closing of the schools, we're not really in contact with them. So that kind of makes me a little bit worrisome because uh, I feel that the kids need us to be there just to kind of guide them into the right path or whether it's um, they're not in the best situation at home. So now that they're kind of almost forced to be at home, it kind of gets me, it get, makes me sad because I love going into work and seeing them and just having them share their little stories of how their day went or just having them be themselves and I won't be having that for a while hopefully all this gets solved so that we can go back into schools but I it kind of does make me a little bit worrisome right because a part of your uh, a part of what you've uh, contributed to them is uh, are these reassurances which uh, at the moment you cannot so this uh, coronavirus uh, situation has has a lot of different uh, levels of meaning and and its impact on people. But here, uh, the the youth in the community that you're used to dealing with, uh, they no longer have you. So uh, that is concerning. Yeah, I think that um, hopefully, like like I said, this ends sooner rather than later. But it kind of just sometimes we get hit with things in our life and we're like, Oh yeah, we don't, we kind of sometimes lose the reason why we're doing it. But I feel like this specific like pandemic has like opened my eyes even more and kind of made me think, okay, I was doing this a certain way before, but what is a way that I can be more 
um, impactful, like just taking a step back and kind of re looking at the whole situation and saying, okay, next time I see them, like, what can I do to be even more of a help? What could I do to kind of get um, for them to understand that these things happen, but that we're there for them? Because I also started watching the Gabriel Fernandez. I don't know if you've seen that documentary series or heard of it. Now tell me about it. So the series is based on a eight-year-old little boy who was abused to death by his mother and her his mother's boyfriend. Um, and basically, it just goes through trial on how this kid was, like, abused by his parents, like, for eight months until he unfortunately passed away. And there were so many things that were in, put into perspective, like his teachers would... Um, kind of complain about it but nothing was really done through the social work so it kind of just when I was watching the series it just made me want to hug all of my children and let them know that if they ever needed anything from me um, that they like should let me know because I'm there to help them because sometimes these kids are they're like crying for help right in front of you and you don't even know it because they think that it's something normal so it's just seeing different things happen in 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 real day-to-day life kind of just makes me want to be a better person for them, but also try and help as much as possible, whether it's through soccer or just being um, there to listen to them. Well, Chelsea, I'm sure some of the tools and the confidence that you've imparted on your students is helping them you know, get through this situation at, at home and, and in, uh, in their lives. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing some of your wisdom and, and what you do for the community. And uh, congratulations on the premiere of NYCFC Shorts. And I know there'll be more to come. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you. That's community coach for City in the Community and community relations intern for New York City FC, Chelsea Quito as we feature NYCFC Shorts, which premiered at the Nighthawk in Prospect Park. Thanks so much to director Jose Badrano and the Pigeon. For Pro Soccer USA, this is Glenn Crooks on Frame.